Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show, we've got a discussion of the new film, Inside, starring Willem Dafoe. Film critic Saxon Whitehead returns to the show for that conversation. Just before that, Arkansas filmmakers Walt Peterson and Blair H. join the show to tell us about their upcoming film, The Memo. Stick around. Welcome to Arthouse Garage. In just a few minutes, we're going to get into the new Willem Dafoe film, Inside. But first, a couple of Arkansas filmmakers stop by to tell us about their upcoming film, The Memo. Filmmaker Molly Wheat, who has been on this very podcast back in episode 54, is producing The Memo with directors Walt Peterson and Blair H. Walt and Blair, as you'll hear in just a moment, are obsessed with UFOs. And in fact, they run a YouTube channel all about UFO news and ufology. It's called Strange Light Studios, and there's a link to it in the show notes of this podcast episode. The memo of the title refers to the Wilson Davis Memo, a real document that details the 2002 meeting between a retired U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency director and a Department of Defense scientist. You can read the actual memo right now on congress.gov. I've linked to that in the show notes as well. The short film tells the story of this meeting, and Walton Blair insist their film is meant for UFO believers and skeptics alike. Now let's hear from Walton Blair. I'm here with Walt Peterson and Blair H. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Hi, doing well. <laughs> How are, are the, you? I, I'm doing very well. Yeah. Thanks for asking and thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'm excited to talk about your new project coming up called The Memo, which is a film about UFOs. And uh, what was interesting as I was looking over it is that you claim that even skeptics can learn something. So I'm curious, tell us about your film and, and kind of what inspired it. So it's inspired by the Wilson Davis memo, which is a document that was entered in the Congress um, during the UAP hearings last summer in 2022. Um, you can find it on congress.gov if you Google Wilson Davis memo. And so the story about this document is that it was found in the possession of the late Edgar Mitchell, who was an astronaut. Um, and it details a conversation that happened in Las Vegas in 2002 between a retired DIA director and a scientist who worked for the DOD. And they talk about basically the 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 DIA director is trying to is telling him about, you know, trying to get access to some programs that are happening within his agency that he doesn't have oversight over, uh, including like reverse engineering. And they, they go as far as talk about Roswell and all this other stuff. So, yeah, wow. that's what inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's a it's kind of a great gateway for the skeptics because it is on congress.gov mm. and um it's there's um a lot of interesting content within that and I think that once people even skeptics view this film it'll kind of open their mind to this type of topic and then if they start researching, um, there's just so much more you can start finding back to the 1940s and beyond. Um, there's just so much in this yeah, topic. Yeah, there's like a, the credibility of this document is really kind of growing with as time mm -hmm. goes forward. And uh, 
you know, people, Eric Davis, who basically, you know, wrote the document basically gives no comment answers. And he says, you know, I can't talk about, I can't say I wrote this because of security clearance violations and stuff like that. So it's, it's a very interesting story behind it. It is. And it's such a, you know, recent development, I guess, just last year that it was declassified or whatever. And that's really cool. It's been like seen by people and talked about by people for years, but now it's officially Mm -hmm. out there and everyone can look at it. Well, I appreciate the, you know, the skeptic uh, focus there. I guess that's where I would put myself as far as like, I don't know what, like the X-Files thing, like I want to believe, like I think it's cool, but I just don't know. Um, And yes, every once in a while I get a, a kick. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think that's a great place to be is just kind of open-minded and curious about these things. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, that's wonderful. Um, sorry to interrupt you though. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. So I was going to say, you, you guys are both, have spent a lot of time very interested in this sort of topic, right? You have a YouTube channel and everything. Tell us about that and how you got interested in, uh, in the topic of extraterrestrial life. Yeah, so I heard a story as a kid. Uh, my aunts were driving across the desert, two of my aunts, and they saw what looked like a mountain. And one of my aunts said, what mountain is that? And I said, "There's the other one said, there is no mountain there. This is the middle of the desert. Um, so they just saw a bunch of lights and they saw a giant craft. It was 1997. And so mm-hmm. I've done a little bit of, you know, if you look into this, it's like it happened around the time of the Phoenix Lights, which is a very famous incident. Mm-hmm. And it matches that description. So I'm almost, I'm pretty sure they saw, that's what they saw was the Phoenix wow. Lights uh, craft. And it came over their car. One of the, one of my aunts talks about it. One of them does not like talking mm, about it. That, that was sort of in my family mythos. And or I just like the narrative of my family as a kid. And it got me interested. And then it wasn't until I was in like fifth grade that I saw James Fox's Out of the Blue, that documentary mm. where, you know, the governor of Arizona, I mean, uh, yeah, if, uh, Arizona comes out and says, yeah, this happened. I saw it and all this kind of stuff after he made fun of it, you know, when he was the governor. Mm. Uh and that movie really kind of cemented, you know, that this is, there is credible witnesses to this, you know, there is a lot of evidence to this stuff. And after that, it was just kind of like going down a rabbit hole of research and all that. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I've, I've just always been interested in this topic since as long as I could remember as a kid, I just um, always had some type of interest or sort of knowing about it. I'm not sure how to explain it. Um and it was kind of more playful growing up. Like in high school, I made some art where I had like a picture or painting of dinosaurs. And then I had like a UFO up in the background mm-hmm. of them or things like that. Um, but then I guess a few years ago, I felt like I actually had kind of like a shift in my consciousness as like the way mm-hmm. I can explain it, where I just felt more aware of things. Um, and I felt like, okay, this is something I could actually take a little more seriously. Um And then I started doing a lot more research and having some experiences of my own. And it just became something I became very passionate about. And um, mutual friends kept telling he and I that we should meet because of our interest in this topic. And we finally did. And then our work just took off from there. So yes, our first documentary was called Experience for the Zachary Homeway Story. And that's on YouTube. You can watch that there. And uh, we met this guy at a MUFON meeting, which is the Mutual UFO Network. They study sightings and all that kind of stuff up in Fayetteville. And he was just very open with us and let us come in and, you know, interview him and his wife and all this kind of stuff. So that that was our first kind of film that we did. And we've done another one since then. And then some YouTube videos and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's amazing. What's your YouTube channel? 
It's Strange Light Studios. Strange Light Studios. That's great. Well, uh, I was going to ask about that and about, you know, as far as what the progress is in the movie, I see you have crowdfunding campaign going with Seed and Spark. How can people get involved and and what does that all look like? Yeah, so, I mean, we have, we have, we've done so much work on this already. I mean, we have like our script and everything. We have talent attached that we, we can't really talk about yet, but we have people we want to work on it and all that. But um, yeah, if people, if people are, you know, interested, they can go and check it out. And we have some really cool incentives on there where, you know, we have signed, signed shooting script and like, you know, vid Zoom calls and uh, social media shout outs and updates and all this kind of stuff. So um, yeah. And so, and you want to talk about, about where the money's going to go, I guess, or like. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so people can support, even if not financially, just signing up and following along is excellent. Um, if they do want to contribute financially, of course, there's more incentives and tiers um, with some of the things that he's just mentioned. And um, <clears throat> a lot of this money, if we do get the funding, it will mostly go to our crew and um, just making this the best quality possible for everyone. Um, all of our other work has just been with like no budget, just me and Walt with a camera just mm -hmm. going at it. So um, at this point, uh, we just really wanted to do this piece of evidence justice. And we really want to bring it forward, especially for the skeptics. You know, we yeah. want this to be the best possible quality. So we Put decided um, all that. Yeah. And we felt like if there was something to get funded, this was the idea we really wanted to do mm -hmm. that with. So uh, we're just doing our best to give that a shot now. Well, that is great. It's very exciting. Well, I will link to the Seed and Spark and uh, to your Instagram and your YouTube so that people can follow along there. Um, is there anything else you want to leave people with to, to get excited about this film? I guess I'll just leave people with an interesting little bit of information about yeah. the subject. Right. So <laughs> um, Roswell actually was a nuclear facility. Uh, it was our only nuclear base at the time in 1947 when the event occurred. And, you know, it was, that's not really a common knowledge. It's kind of hard to find mm -hmm. that, but it was where the Enola Gay was actually stationed. Um, oh, really? the, the plane that dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And then there's a, there's a good Washington Post interview where they were talking to Lou Elizondo, who ran the ATIP program, our government st uh, program studying UFOs. And they say, you know, there's a, obviously a correlation between UFOs and nuclear weapons. And that is something that, you know, really tracks when you look into this. Uh, we just did a video on Rendlesham Forest, which was a nuclear base. You know, there's stuff happening out in the, the Tic Tac event or whatever that happened out. You know, those are nuclear uh, Navy um, carriers or whatever. So, I mean, that I guess that that's the one little piece of information I want to leave with people is just kind of like yeah um <clears throat> that piece of information wasn't it's kind of hard to find that online but it's up in the actual roswell museum hmm. um and just for those who are a little less up to date on this topic um it's pretty common uh, we've found and others that have studied this is that there's 10 there tends to be ufo activity above nuclear sites yeah and there have been reports of them like shutting down the power or disabling missiles or things like that. 
Um, Robert Solis talks about that. Yeah, Robert Solis mentions that. Um, I think he's coming forward yeah. too and uh, submitting more things into evidence in Congress yeah, right now since the whistleblower. Yeah, there, um, in the uh, National Defense Authorization Act of 2023 that Biden signed into law, there is protection for whistle UFO whistleblowers. So they can go and report it to the Aero office and still keep their clearances. And they're directly asking for people who you know worked for these contract programs and you know worked on these on this stuff to come forward and so people are actually coming forward right now so it's a really exciting time for this subject yeah so we're definitely trying to make this along with the times too Mm -hmm. it it probably is the most exciting time at this point for this in the history of it yeah yeah we we really believe more and more will be coming out so yeah that is Anyways. so fascinating. Yeah, I love to hear <laughs> yeah, up on the minute. I I am really excited to see this film when it comes out. And um I'm definitely gonna be following <laughs> along by email and everything. I encourage everyone else too as well. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. And uh yeah, I feel like I want to listen to you talk about this more and more, but we'll uh, uh, we'll save it for yeah, the film. Thanks so yeah. Much. yeah. <laughs> thank you guys. All right. Well, we can say bye bye for now and we'll have to have you back uh, down the road. Thanks so much to Walton Blair for coming on. Make sure to check out their crowdfunding campaign at Seed and Spark and their social media and YouTube, all of which are linked in the show notes of this episode. And now let's talk inside. The film comes from director Vasilis Katsupis, who co-wrote the script with Ben Hopkins. Willem Dafoe plays Nemo, an art thief who is in the middle of a heist when the film opens. From Nemo's monologue over the opening credits, it's clear... He's a real lover of art and not just in it for the money. We watch Nemo in the film's first moments break into a luxurious apartment and begin taking paintings off the wall before things go wrong. The apartment's high-end security system is triggered and Nemo finds himself trapped inside with no way of escape. The rest of the film tells the story of Nemo's many attempts to get out of the apartment as he finds himself stuck inside and completely cut off from communicating with the outside world for days and days. Returning to the show is film critic Saxon Whitehead, who reviews films over on his website, drpopcorn.net. I really appreciate his critical voice and the way he writes about movies, and it's always a pleasure to talk with him. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Saxon Whitehead about the film Inside. I'm here with Saxon Whitehead. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Um, Yeah, always excited to have you on the show. We talked about Tar not too long ago, and I loved the things you had to say about that. And um, I guess that was before Oscar time. It didn't end up not winning anything, which was a bummer, but um, uh, because you you and I were both big fans of it. But um, yeah, before we talk about Inside, which we're going to discuss today, uh, I thought I'd see, have you watched anything else lately you want to put on our radar or... Have any thoughts? About uh, that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I recently rewatched um, the John Wick movies. Um, you know, the first three because the fourth one just came out as you know the time we're recording this, mm-hmm. and so I watched those to prepare for the new one, which I saw yesterday. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to really um, know what to say about the John Wick movies. Partially because one, I don't want to give any too much away. Yeah. Because like what I really want to do right now is just just gush about just how much <laughs> I love 
especially this new one. This new one yeah. is fantastic. Um, I'm, that's what everyone's saying, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, maybe if I watch the next week or something, we could do another podcast. But I, it's a, I feel like I really like the first one, and I kind of liked them a little less as they went along. But so I'm excited that everyone is saying this might be the best one and all that. So I'm excited yeah. to watch the fourth one. Uh, did, how have you felt? Do you do you have like a, a ranking in mind or, or anything as far as like which one is your favorite? Um, yeah, I would say so, which whenever I say this ranking, it might seem a little unfair to the first one because mm. I li- I mean, I like all these movies a lot. The first one I think is just so different from the rest of them. Mm. I think it's a little bit more contained and I think it's a little bit more, you know, just kind of, you know, more of its own thing before it just explodes with the second one and then yeah. third and fourth. But this one... Um, four, I go back and forth between whether this new one, four, is my favorite, or three. I mean, it's kind of recency bias. Mm-hmm. But I'd say those two are kind of neck and neck for number one. And then after that, I'd say the first one, like very closely behind them. And then the second one is at last. Um, just because I feel like that one's like they were kind of trying to figure out. It's kind of that, that weird transition between yeah. more of that, the, more of the kind of you know, for lack of a better term, smaller stakes of the first one to mm-hmm. the more broad global stuff we get into with the later movies. Yeah. But, yeah, that's interesting. So I haven't watched them since. I, so I watched the first two pretty shortly before the third one. And I, I maybe I saw the first one like a year after it came out. Anyway, I really liked the first one a lot. And I actually liked how contained it was. And maybe it started to lose me as it grew. But I guess that's inevitable. And I think maybe now... If I were to go back and watch, I might feel differently about it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see the fourth one soon. Um, I really like a musician named Rina Sawayama, and she is her first role. She's in this movie, and uh, so I'm excited to see her act. I think it's her first acting role. Maybe that's not true. Her first major movie, though. Um, but yeah, I just mostly know her as a musician. So yeah, excited to see how she is and and just all the, the things going on in this new one. Yeah, I, I will say, though, she is very good in this. Um, so I'll go ahead and just, you know, say that right now. She is very good, and she has an amazing scene that I won't spoil. That's all I'll say. Oh, boy, but I'm excited. If you've seen the movie, <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about. You know her scene. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I almost went and saw that today, actually. But then I realized the thing I'm going to talk about is they do this every summer, I think, where they show the Studio Ghibli movies in theaters, or like a handful yeah. of them. And I've still seen maybe like half of them. And uh, today I went and saw My Neighbor Totoro, which I loved. And I'd seen, actually, I'd seen about half of it once back at home, and then it got interrupted, and I just never went back and finished it. And I was like, oh, I need to go have the full experience in the theater and everything. And it was just wonderful. It feels, as like compared to some of the other ones, uh, Studio Ghibli movies, it feels like a little bit slight i guess like it's there's not as much i mean compared to like uh, princess mononoke which is this huge epic um i guess it's more in line with something like kiki's delivery service which is also kind of a smaller story but really really liked it the like the creature designs are so fun and so i mean obviously they're world famous for a reason like the totoro doll is everywhere uh, but then oh, the yeah. cat bus i love so much so yeah i really really liked it a lot yeah so i was yeah go ahead sorry Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, um, I haven't seen Totoro in a, like a little bit. It's been a while. Um, but I, that's one of my favorite Ghibli's, um, nice. to be honest. It's just such a, you know, compared to something like you were saying, like Mononoke or Spirited Away or anything like that, it is very much so, you know, smaller, 
mm-hmm. but there's something so comforting about it as well. And part of that, I think yeah. it is, you know, in like the design of Totoro and mm-hmm. some of the more, you know, imaginative stuff going yeah. on there. I, I love yeah. that movie so much. Yeah. And it's, I mean, as with so many of those, it's just like such idyllic, like visuals of nature and like the, the settings are so like, just draws you into like this, this hug of a movie kind of a, yeah. So I really, really liked it a lot. And uh, yeah, I always, when I can see those on the big screen, I always try to because they look amazing. So, yeah, that was what I had seen recently besides podcast stuff, really. I watched this movie and then I watched, we're doing some Aronofsky series uh, that's going to be coming out soon. So I've watched um, Pi and the Fountain very recently and had a a little discussion that'll come out after this episode does um, about those two. And we're actually going to go through the rest of those. So I've got some more Aronofsky ahead of me. But Yeah. yeah, that's about it. So... Without further ado, let's talk about Inside. Final approach to target. Number one, go, go! Okay, you got seven minutes. Stay focused. The art in here is worth millions. Proceed to step two. What did you know about this movie going into it? Um, I knew very little, um, which, you know, I think was a good, you know, decision. Um, but part of it was also because this movie wasn't really on my radar until like maybe a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was something I hadn't really heard much about. I mean, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's it's an indie movie. Yeah, you I think know? It's, it's an indie, yeah, it's a focus features, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't really know much about it. all I really knew was just the basic premise, just mm-hmm. you know, Willem Dafoe stuck in an apartment, basically. That's really all I knew, yeah. yeah and a pretty unknown director, um, Vasilis Katsupis, mm-hmm. who has one other feature to their name, uh, my friend Larry Gus from 2016. So it's just their second feature, and uh, yeah, so I knew very little. I think I saw, I think I had like a focus features email, you know, just like their fan list that i get and it said something about it like in january it's like oh interesting willem dafoe got a new movie coming out looks kind of like art house or art house adjacent that sounds good but then i didn't didn't really hear anything about it until a couple weeks ago as well Uh, and he's been doing a lot of press for it i think there's been a lot of fun interviews with willem dafoe uh there's like the i don't know if you saw though it's like the wired autocorrect whatever they do where they answer the google questions about themselves and he's just really funny in it and like having a good time so i'll recommend that video me i can link that uh i'll second that that's it's really funny that was just just delightful just to (laughs) see him just having so much fun with all that yeah uh what do you think of his performance in this movie i mean Willem Dafoe just in general is one of my favorites. Um, I just think he's just a very consistently great actor. And this, you know, continues that. I think he's really good. I think it's a very, it's, it's a little more internal, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way it's kind of a little bit more, you know, 
for lack of a better term, I guess, natural in a way. Um, and so kind of, you know, seeing what he is able to do with admittedly not, a, it's hard to really describe it because yeah. he's doing a lot, but he's also not doing a whole lot. Like it's, it's very much yeah. so again, it's internal. It's just yeah. all. It's interesting. No. I mean, I thought about like the lighthouse because that that's just two characters, so it's there's a lot of that isolation. But this is even more isolated because he really is. There's very few other people that we even see on the screen. But I always think about like if I were trying to write this movie, I would just like I would have him talking to himself the whole time or something, and it would sound it would be so cheesy, and I would be terrible at writing that. But um, but I think it, there's just enough of that because he does kind of mutter things to himself, but it feels very realistic, and and there's so much. Yeah, that you can see like his thought process of like why would he try to do this next thing? Um, it's kind of yeah, it's it's in his face and it's in his performance, and I think he's he really holds the whole thing. I mean, he has to. He's the only person in it. Um, right. I, I think he does a good job. Um, what about sort of like I guess the script? Like as far as how the plot unfolds, did you think that all worked pretty well? I would say yes and no. That was like the one part of the movie to me that like really just didn't fully sit right with me was just kind of how everything unfolded. And I think part of that was just because I was kind of wanting a little bit more, like mm -hmm. I want to know more about Willem Dafoe's character. I kind of want to know a little bit more about um, like the guy, you know, like the guy who owns the apartment and mm -hmm. you know, has all this, you know, art and stuff. I kind of want to know a little bit more, but also I feel like that might have honestly taken away from mm -hmm what we do get so i'm very on the fence about it yeah but something about like some of the things which i won't really get into because of spoilers um but some of the decisions that like defoe's character makes and you know just some of the things that happen just kind of didn't really sit right with me they kind of felt a little hmm. convenient or they felt a little just kind of you know, not the most plausible for a movie that is very much so rooted in reality, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with that. So I was going to say my one hang up as well is, is kind of in the script and it's, it's like mostly the like survivalist stuff I think works pretty well. Like it's, it's basically like castaway, but trapped in yeah. an apartment, which is a really creative thing, I think. Um, but yeah, there's like maybe one or two times that I thought he probably would have thought of this earlier. Like he's been, it's, it's, it's not clear how long he's trapped, but quite a long time and there there's something towards the end i'm like it's it's a little unrealistic that he's just now thinking of this but more than that it was kind of what you're saying like it would have been nice to know a little bit more about him i think because we do get some things um but it just feels a little bit like undercooked maybe like like a little bit more would have been good and then also like thematically there's a couple things like there's this opening monologue about how he feels about art and so he's an art thief. Obviously, he cares. I guess that's that's good because you know he's not just in it for the money. Like he really does care about art. And then we see him creating art as he's trapped, um, which I, th I thought was a, a good. I, I like that part of the movie. I feel like the opening monologue could have been written a little bit better because it it kind of like it it, it gives him. He talks about this childhood experience which tells us what we need to know about him, and then it kind of says the whole thing again, and then it kind of repeats it again. It's like kind of hammering it home a little too far and then there's some thematic stuff at the end around art that also just feels a little bit um i think undercooked is the word i keep coming back to like i didn't quite uh it's possible that it just went over my head but there's some stuff about um 
every art is uh, every act of creation of art is also an act of destruction which you know works because he it's not a spoiler to say he has to like destroy a lot of the apartment to try to escape um so he like truly trashes the place um (laughs) but i I looked that up because i was like okay that the act of creation is also an act of destruction what does that mean so that's a picasso quote i found out something pablo picasso said and i think what he was getting at from my you know 10 minutes of googling um is that when you're creating something you're sort of leaving part of yourself behind like destroying something internally and and kind of growing into someone new as you create the thing which is cool and maybe if i knew that before i watched the movie i would have connected to that theme a little bit more but it did feel like mostly the survivalist story with a few kind of thematic things trying to be tacked on that it could have uh been a little more satisfying i think Uh, but overall i really did enjoy the the experience of watching this and I was kind of on the edge of my seat as I was seeing what, what's he going to do next, even though it's, it's a bit slow in places in a way that like I, I was impressed by, like it, it takes its time, which I guess makes sense if it's just one person in an apartment the whole time. Um, but then it's when, when different things are being attempted and, and it was interesting too, cause I didn't feel that way at first. I think for the first 15, 20 minutes, I was kind of like, I wasn't, I didn't feel emotionally invested with him, but then it kind of gradually crept up on me. And then there was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I really care now. <laughs> like it's, I think it's, it's like a flip switched, a switch flipped. And I was like in it with it. Um, but yeah, uh, what did you think about, I guess we don't have to spoil the ending, but what did you think about the way it ended? If you can do so without. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm very, again, I'm very torn on it because um I really enjoy how it just kind of just it just kind of seems to end. It's just kind of like, okay, we're done here. This is that, you know, blah, blah. But I was kind of hoping for something at least a little bit more satisfying, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something, you know, I I guess a little bit more of a payoff, I guess, in a way. There's not really closure. No. As much as I mean, there's it's a there's a natural ending point, I guess it to the story but yeah there's not really closure and yeah I, I was left wanting a little more too i think but yeah i also appreciate a story not overstaying its welcome um i will say it kept me guessing a little bit be as far as like and again i won't spoil anything like whether it generally has a happy or sad ending i wasn't sure until like really the final moments i, I was like which way is this gonna go um but yeah so i i mostly like the ending but i agree with you that it uh maybe could have been handled a, a bit differently to, to be a little bit more satisfying, but yeah. Um, let's see any, any other, any like favorite moments um, that, that stick out to you? Um, let's see. One of the things, and I'm trying to figure out how much detail I should give on this. One of the things I just found fascinating was there's this moment, I guess it's somewhat early on in the movie, where he kind of sees this potential way of of escaping, basically. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'll put it. You're talking about security camera stuff? Um, well, I mean, like, the security camera, but also there's, like, you know, like, this almost, like, it's a skylight of sorts. The thing he starts building. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, know. like, he starts building this giant structure, and I that that all really fascinated me. Like, all this, yeah. again, it's, it's all the survivalist stuff, I think, mm-hmm. was the stuff that really clicked with me the most is just how resourceful he had to be but that moment like just seeing like how he just kind of you know builds and builds upon it mm-hmm. and there's like a shot you know 
somewhat later in the film of the full thing that yeah. I think kind of really clicks in with what maybe what the movies, you know, some of its themes, you know, mm -hmm. especially in regards to art and stuff like that. Yeah. And so that was, I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Like the, just the scale of what he builds is, is really impressive. And then also like what he ends up, he's like doing some art on the wall as well. And has like the, almost his little shrine piece, which, um, which is funny because there was, I, I noticed the first time we see this little, like, like it's like almost a statue, but it's smallish and there's a can opener on it. And mm -hmm. there's been a whole thing earlier in the film where he's like, can't find a can opener. He's like, this guy has everything but a can opener. Apparently <laughs> somewhere along the route, he, he found one and stuck it on this thing, um, which is not addressed. It's just like, I think that's a can opener right there. Uh, but yeah, I really liked all the survivalist stuff too. Um, he's like, how am I going to have drinking water? How am I going to, um, to use the bathroom which gets surprisingly gross in a couple of moments and I was yeah sure was, that was a huge surprise to me is how gross that got <laughs> yeah i was like do we need to see that but um yeah yeah whatever but then some of the stuff he has to eat as well gets increasingly kind of disgusting and like bear grills kind yeah. of like survival man um but yeah i did enjoy that all that stuff and uh when he was trying to find different different ways to possibly get out uh, but yeah so i guess generally i really i liked it for the most part with those few kind of quibbles i think it's very well acted um and yeah if we do get those kind of external pieces so we, so we get some like it's not clear if it's a flashback or a dream or memory or what uh, those things are really fascinating i think too and then i also was i felt very invested in like the people he's seeing on the security cameras and like whether that was going to possibly play out into something that could help him um but yeah well any final thoughts on inside um i mean what i'll say is that this is one that i'm i would say i'm somewhat mixed on mm -hmm. but like the more i sit with it and the more that like i really take the time to really process and really think about the movie i find more things to like about it mm -hmm. which is something that kind of surprised me is that it's definitely one that's really you know grown on me the the more distance i have from it and i'd really like to actually give it a try again to see if maybe it works a little bit better for me but i still generally liked it i would say yeah um i just kind of you know i just kind of have some some issues with it yeah. so yeah i think i could say the exact same thing i i was thinking too like it really did also like i feel like the mood of it like the tone of it is pretty well done uh like it cuts to the credits and then there's i think it's a radiohead song or a tom york song and it just like put me in this the, that was exactly the right mood i was like feel still feeling it as i was driving away from the theater um, right so yeah i thought that aspect was done really well as also and then i mentioned castaway that's castaway is a movie i loved as a kid and it's just like how am i going to survive in this this <laughs> uh isolated place so i think i connected with it on that level also but uh, yeah so yeah. mixed feelings from both of us it sounds like but generally positive uh yeah inside it's still playing in theaters you can go catch it uh, it's still playing here in Little Rock, as far as I know. Uh, we both saw it at the Riverdale Theater, I think, down there. And uh, yeah, and it, I think it's a good big screen movie if, you, if you're looking for something interesting to go see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'll second that real quick because, like, you know, this is a movie that is very, you know, contained. It's very, you know, you know, of course, you know, obviously from the premise alone is very isolating mm -hmm. it almost feels claustrophobic at times 
but there's something about you know like the the grander scale that we were seeing with you know the the nice apartment the art and all that that really does lend itself to seeing it on the big screen so yeah i, I will second that i would agree yeah that's a, that's an impressive thing about it maybe too is like just the scale of it despite being you know trapped in one spot so yeah yeah just copying exactly what you just said but uh <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much, Saxon. I always appreciate talking with you about movies, and I uh, have to have you back very soon. Uh, where can we find you online? At drpopcorn.net? Drpopcorn.net, that's right. It is .net. I, thought, I almost said .com. And then on socials and everything, I'll link to all those. Uh, but, yeah, great. All right. Well, thank you, and we will talk to you next time. All right. Thanks for having me. Huge thanks again to Saxon. I just really like that guy. Stay tuned. Next time, we're finally getting to that Aronofsky marathon I've been teasing for a while now. Michael J. Darty is returning to the show, and in part one, we discuss two Aronofsky films, Pi and The Fountain. Down the road, I'm also planning an episode on the new anime film, Suzume, from director Makado Shinkai, who also made the hit films Your Name and Weathering With You. I'm hoping also to discuss the new dark comedy, Bo is Afraid, in a few weeks. That's from director Ari Aster, who previously directed the horror films Hereditary and Midsummer. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Arthouse Garage. We've got a few years' worth of episodes. You can hear all of them in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, Andrew, at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.